Crystal Myth Podcast. Yay! So it's just me, Mark, this week, and I'm going to be the witch, and you're going to be the warlock, or you're not supposed to say warlock. I don't know why. What's wrong with warlock? Is it offensive? Is it an offensive term? I don't think so. I was going to say, when you said you're going to be the witch, I was going to say, and I'm going to be the wardrobe. And then when you went to say (laughs) you're going to be the warlock, I was like, that's so weird that we're both going to say I'm a wardrobe. (laughs) <laughs> I'd like to be the wardrobe and you can come in my closet and root around. Oh. I've got some nice fur coats. I was like that in the line of witch in a wardrobe, going through all the fur coats. Yeah. I would stop was... at the fur coats and then I wouldn't go out the other side. <laughs> Imagine meeting Mr. Thomas. How would you feel about that? Aroused. Really? Well, I suppose you would be because he has a fawn, so he's supposed to be a horny animal, isn't he? Yeah. Like a horny mythical creature, which I always found funny because isn't that like all a Christian allegory? Did you ever look at that in like uni or anything about um what's his face? <laughs> yeah, I wrote a paper on um oh. allegory and what mm-hmm. the hell is his name? I can't remember his name, but I wrote a paper on him. Oh, fuck's sake, we need to look it up. But he apparently said that there was that it wasn't allegorical, even though it quite clearly is. But he well, said it Aslan's obviously Jesus, isn't he? Yeah. Um but oh my god, that's annoying me. What's his name? C C S Lewis. S Lewis. Um thank you. Because <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. Yeah. Yeah, he, he said that it wasn't allegorical to anything. But yeah, that is a fair point. Even if it wasn't, he's a massive Christian, but he's all like, Oh, look who the first person to help you is it's the A fawn. Yeah, a fawn, the traditional Positive then, pagan representation that we're talking about, but definitely frowned upon in Christianity. So is the white witch to represent Satan in C.S. Lewis's world then? And Aslan's Jesus? I don't get it. I think she, does she represent the serpent? I mean, it's been a very long time. I don't know. I think she's supposed to represent the serpent because she is evil and she tempts with sweet treats and... Turkish delight. Do you know that's the first time I ever like knew about Turkish Delight? Because I used to have the, I don't know if you ever watched it. There was an anime, like an animation of the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. I used to have on VHS, and I watched it all the time. And the White Witch was my favourite character. And when she gets Edmund, and she's like, "Oh, would you like some Turkish Delight?" She had a really sexy voice like that. Very, oh, hello, come, come into my lovely warm coat and have some Turkish Delight. Would you like some more? And I would see the animated box of Turkish Delight and him just scoffing at all and thinking oh my god that looks delicious I want some Turkish Delight 
I then when I first tried it, I really? Yeah. It wasn't what I was expecting it to taste like. So I remember my uncle used to go to Turkey and he came back with some Turkish Delight and I jumped on him like, give us some of that Turkish Delight, please. I've always wanted to try it from the Lion Rich in the wardrobe. Yep. And then when I did bite into it, I was surprised how soft it was. It's like, what the fuck is this? The first time I tried it, my granddad gave it to me. And yeah, same. I remember being like, oh, I really want to try this because of Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah. I thought but it was going to be more like a fudge. Yeah. Hmm. So what did you think? Was it the rose stuff that you got? Yeah, the rose, the probably like rose Turkish delight. I, just, I still don't like it. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I don't well, like see, it. I'm diff, I'm diff, that's where you and I differ because when I was a kid, I didn't like it. But now that I'm a grown woman, I fucking love the stuff. Like, I can't get enough of it. I actually Would love... you betray your entire family and a top of yeah. for it? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> for the good stuff, yeah. Like the, especially the rose one, the rose water one, and I like the lemon ones. I don't like all the ones that are covered in chocolate and coconut. It has to be traditional covered in like powdery uh, sugar, icing sugar. I've never tried the lemon one, to be fair, and I do love lemon mm, things. So. Beautiful. Really, really nice. Like if you get proper stuff. But I, I had some... I'm not Christmas. really a rose person. I don't like... Rose I don't water? I like the smell of roses or, yeah, rose water or mm. anything else that's rose scented, so... So that might be what the issue is. Try the lemon one then, you might like it. But yeah, well, this yeah. week we're talking about... We're talking about is Turkish it, Delight. Turkish Delight, yeah, and sweeties. And is the Turkish Delight special? It's going to be a bit of a rambling one, I think, but why not? These ones, these kind of podcast episodes are quite fun, I find. But we, what was it, modern witchcraft? Or was yeah, it we were looking another... at like witchcraft in the modern world, mm. the modern well, day. And the negative side of it, I believe, I didn't do a lot of research, but I do remember watching a documentary that um, certain parts of Africa and even over here, they bring the culture over. Um, they kill young boys accused of being witches over there. Yeah. And that was interesting to me, how that kind of shit still going on, but in different countries. You know, at one point, well, we'll look back at, are witch hunts and think that's fucking madness but over there this kind of thing's still happening they're burning kids with I'm fairly sure stuff. it still happens in rural places in the states as well do you think yeah based but on your evidence I have nothing to back what do you up. think they're doing burning people or or, or um, putting them in like basements and locking them up or something or, or shunning them what, uh, what do you probably think? one of the first two I would guess I mean, if wow. you think of the way that, like, in these sort of backwards redneck places in America, the way they treat, like, <laughs> I was going to say sorry if that offends you, but I mean, no, I'm not, because I'm about to say we're the homophobes. So if you're a homophobe or you kill people for being witches, then I'm not sorry if I offend you. I don't know. <laughs> Aren't the people who live in the mountains a wee bit, like, I don't know, more, I don't know if they would think about that kind of stuff? I was mm, going to say they might be a No, bit I think they're, like, extreme... Okay. I don't know, like, I'll give them a, a chance. I mean, Dolly Parton came from that neck of the woods and she's not going around burning witches. Let's see. I'm going to Google. She that. is. And and I kind of want to stick up for the Appalachian people because they're sort of connected to Scot- the Scots because the Appalachian Mountains was once part of Scotland when it was Pangaea. Okay, I know they were talking like <laughs> millennia, like thousands of millions of years ago or whatever. But it used to be part of like see our highlands like Glencoe and all of that those yeah. um, mountains in Scotland the highlands they used to be part of the Appalachian mountains when we were all together before we broke up 
So I think that's when a lot of people emigrated. They ended up in the Appalachians. And that's why you've got your traditional kind of folk country music fiddles. That's really interesting, though, that they were like drawn there if you know what i mean if it's the same land, yeah i mean scottish people are always drawn wherever we emigrate to dreary places that are mountainous and cold <laughs> like dunedin and new zealand and canada the, the appalachian mountains and things i think it's more i guess more home like what we're used to we don't like sunshine we can't cope but yeah i mean maybe yeah. we brought maybe we brought our witchcraft traditions or like fears of witches over there i don't I'm know i'm trying to find any evidence from a random claim that americans yeah, i don't think there is any evidence the only thing that i can think of is maybe the southern belt like and maybe they're still doing it now but burning like harry potter books or anything to do with witchcraft and books they might not yeah like i've found something that's about like quite a lot of anti like pagan neo-pagan wiccan sentiment in the u.s and right being treated negatively but i'm not seeing anything i don't know i don't think it's as bad as that anybody being killed for no i think in some parts of africa it's still quite bad and maybe even i think i think i brought this up before there was somewhere in south america where they were they went on a bit or was that a cult i can't remember (laughs) i just listened to it back but modern witches are tend to be like Wiccans, don't they? They just worship nature. They could be men or women. Um, they believe that everything has energy. Everything like the walls of your house, obviously like the plants, the wind, even like sexual energy. Everything has a certain energy that you can link into. One of the notes like. that um, I have from my like neo-paganism course at uni and the lecturer was a neo-pagan and one of the notes when it was flicking through there said um i remember now i take these notes a long time ago but i've <laughs> written down she's basically saying it's the force yeah but that's what which it I think is. Kind of is. yeah i suppose that's maybe that's where george lucas got it from it's the force everything has a force or a force or energy that you can tap into uh, sorry, I found something that in 2019 mm-hmm. in the US, a man was arrested for trying to stab a Wiccan woman to death. And when he was arrested, he said it wasn't a crime because, in quotes, she was a witch and it was his job <laughs> as a Christian to slay her. But to be fair, that's just one man. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. probably should judge all Christian Americans based on that one guy. Maybe a bit harsh. Yeah, I mean, I think because of the way witches have been portrayed over the years, then obviously Christians are going to think they're evil. But most witches aren't. They're just nice people that do spells. Yeah. I mean, even when you say, like, if they do cursed spells, or they're usually for their own protection or to protect people from negative energy rather than putting hexes on them. Yeah. Which I've got an example of. That I would would like to read out. I don't oh, know if I'll read it out now. Oh, I was going to say you're protecting people of hexes, but that ruins the game of me guessing what the, the spell is. It's more <laughs> to protect yourself from negative people, but it's sort of in a way that harms. It puts like it stops them from harming you, but it might seem it might be seen as a curse spell, but it's actually more a protection. 
spell. I'm really hoping you're going to go, we bind you, Nancy. That's it. You're bringing harm to others and bringing harm to yourself. It's we bind you, that. Nancy. Yeah, I know. I, know. I always love that from the, the craft. That spell was awesome. <laughs> we bind you. I bind you, Nancy. Well, that's what I found is basically there's um a, a website I found called witchymystique.com. I mean, I, I got a bit frustrated because a lot of the um, websites that I was going to were just people trying to exploit like saying if you pay me so much dollars I will do a spell for you it's like no fuck off this person's um given a she's written an article or shared some things for free so about hexing cursing and binding spells which sounds really negative but actually I quite like them um so there's one called the return to the sender which is a basic candle spell and correspondences it seems a bit complex though if you're if you if you can't be arsed about getting all the because you've got to get moon phases right and get to do it at certain hours and pick a certain day and you've got to get certain incenses. It sounds a bit of a faff, but the, the one, my favourite one is like the most simple, which I would definitely try. Uh, um, yeah, the one that I'm going to read you is quite simple, but I found, I did say that like to you, but obviously before we started recording, um, a spell book that I bought years and years ago, but yeah, most of them are very, very complex. It's like go to this specific yeah. place at this specific time oh, with these much. objects, and and I'm an incredibly lazy person, yeah. so <laughs> That's what I was say. I'm too lazy for all that. <laughs> too fucking lazy for all that. I just could not be give the de- time and dedication to that kind of shit. But the most simple one that she has um provided is it's like an ice based one so where is it here she it's to get rid of someone that is really pissing you off and it's to basically freeze them so ah here it is it's free it's called freeze by enemy which is badass so she says when someone is being a real stinker Tearing around and disrupting people's lives, destroying reputations, creating false and misleading impressions, and otherwise making a total ass of themselves, it's time to put the brakes on. We're going to do this by literally containing the essence of this person in a sealed jar of water and freezing it solid. What better way to put a halt to someone's frantic, destructive energy? Now, this I can do because it's fairly simple and I don't, it doesn't involve running naked through a field or something at a certain time of the moon. So items needed. One, a small glass jar with a screw on lid. Two, a photo of your target, personal effects, their signature or a name paper. I don't know what a name paper is. Three, sharp is that objects. Like a certificate? Possibly, yeah, but how would you get that? I mean, <laughs> everyone has a copy of their enemy's birth certificate. Mm, I mean, I suppose if this person's been a right arsehole to you, you kind of you've maybe come Break across into them. Their house and their no, I mean, if you've come across them, you might be able to get personal effects from them, or True. you know, you you bounty have photographs of them, so you could at least print that out. Um, I could think of a few people that I'd like to do this to. <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> so then it says. Number three, you also need sharp objects like nails, razor blades, pins and needleless shards of broken glass, etc. Just like general shit like that. She says the last items listed are not absolutely required to cast a spell. They're just a little something extra to ensure that the culprit feels the full brunt of their actions and the repercussions coming their way. She says it's the grey witch coming out in me. 
this is one of those spells I've cast in the kitchen, right at the table and near the freezer. It sounds like a Nigella Lawson sort of thing to say, doesn't it? <laughs> You're on a TV programme saying that. It's a no-nonsense, get-her-done kind of spell that doesn't require a lot of fancy prep or staging. Excellent ideal for me. So you fill the glass jar with the photo and personal effects for this hard skulled nitwit. Add the little extra niceties to it, one item at a time, possibly voicing your honest opinion of this individual and their actions as you go. So you just call them a fucking cunt and you're a dick and stay the <laughs> yeah, hell away from like, you. Yeah, I was thinking, like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Yeah, things like that. Fill the jar about half full of water, maybe a little more, making sure that you've left plenty of room for expansion. Screw the lid on tight. Set the jar in the freezer and slam the door shut. The deed is done. That's my yeah. favourite spell that I've come across. <laughs> Which I could definitely do. What do you think? I found one to uh, say to Fox so you can soul bond with it. Oh, lovely. What's that involve? Like, what's that do for you? Yeah, you just have to read this wee poem to a fox. Yeah, but what does a fox... What does that mean? <laughs> uh, I don't really know. I was thinking, like... That would be cute, but how does that work on a practical level? Because I feel like if you so bond with the person, that's like, you know, you spend the rest mm. of your life together, perhaps buy a home, perhaps raise children. So I guess the fox would move into your house and help raise your child. OK, well, you could maybe do with some help. Yeah. <laughs> a, fox nanny. a fox nanny. So what, what um, do you need to do? So I need to approach the fox that I want to have a soul bond with and say, I am your double, your ghost, your other. The spirits of wild, the spirits of weather, red is my fur and red is my art and red is the blood of your animal heart. Which kind of sounds like you're threatening the fox, but apparently that's yeah. you bonding. Oh, is that? Yeah. That's it. And then you and the fox are bound together forever. We so have to find that. the fox first, though. Do you not need to do it in front of the fox? Yeah, I mean, you need to be with the fox. Yeah, well, there's, there's shitloads of foxes around these areas. You could definitely find one if you feed it a bit of chicken. Would hang about. I've got well, I found this the one as well that I quite like. Oh, yeah. Somebody you love is having bad luck. Um, okay. Take three small jars and nine garlic cloves. I could do it's that. Like you say, I'm like, yeah, I've got loads of small jars and I always have garlic in the fridge. Mm. And some thorns from a white rose, slightly trickier, mm. but you yeah, know, it's a bit trickier. <laughs> Stick the thorns into the garlic cloves and place three cloves in each jar. Each mm-hmm. jar should then be buried right. within the site of a holy place, such as like a outdoor altar or a church. Basically okay. anything that's got like... That's holy to you. Yeah, divine okay. energy. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you say like a little sort of spell. It's not actually got the spell. You just sort of wing it. And say that okay. you want the person that you love to have good luck, and then it will remove the misfortune from them. That's well, worth a try. Also, quite like that idea because it gives churches an example. Because I'm just imagining me like in the churchyard up the road, like hiking around in the dark with glass jars, going, "Please <laughs> don't make my aunt Marjorie have a shit day at work this week." <laughs> just waving at passersby. The priests or ministers looking out, going, "What the fuck's this guy doing?" <laughs> <laughs> just doing too much craft. Don't mind me. Well, this is a binding one that made me think of the craft. 
So she said, if someone causing misery and complications in your life and you'd like nothing more to literally hogtie them to stop their actions, this is a yes. spell for you. Although you can't very well physically drag them through the street by their hair and tie them to a tree, you can bind them magically with almost the same effect. And sometimes the magical binding will even be a worse punishment, will be an even worse punishment. Although you do have to do the correspondences, so it is a bit more complicated than the last one. So you have to do it on a Saturday and you have to do it on the first or eighth hour after sunrise or the third or tenth hour after sunset. The planet Saturn, I don't know how that works. Uh, the moon phase needs to be a waning or dark moon and the colour you should be yeah, that seems using like a is black. Research. Yeah, like, what, are you wearing black? I don't understand the planet. How do you figure out the planet? I, I don't know what, what that's in. How do you involve Saturn in some way? And then you need to use the herbs, pepper, cloves, canyon pepper, oil. It doesn't say what kind of oil. Or is it canyon pepper oil? Potions. I mean, what potions? <laughs> Powder, four yeah, things, and vinegar. And then you need incense, patchouli or dragon's blood. I've got that. I've got that incense. I've got some canyon pepper. I can make it and I can mix it with oil. Um, I've got pepper. I could get cloves. I don't know what four fuse vinegar is. Anyway. I Just use needed. normal vinegar. Chippy vinegar will do. Mass, but you could maybe substitute. Items needed. One, three ribbons, each three feet long. Two of these ribbons will be black. The third will be a colour that corresponds with your target, perhaps the colour of their birthstone. So in my case, it would be green. What would yours be, Mark? Not that I want to bind you. <laughs> also green. Oh, OK. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're both born in May, weren't we? So yeah, there you go. Your black candle dressed and ready to burn. I, I don't know how you dress a black candle, but all right. Barbecues? Well, maybe. <laughs> Three, your incense. So it says, when the time is right and the magical stage has been set, seat yourself comfortably within your sacred space, ground and centre. Holding these ribbons together as if they were a single ribbon, you're going to tie six knots. The first beginning the binding and the last sealing it. As you tie these knots, you will recite a chant for each one all the while retaining focus on your intentions. So the spell is, when you're tying the first knot, you say, I bind you now from feet to two brow. The second knot, you say, I bind your mind that your thoughts may be frozen. Third knot, I bind your actions that you may be impotent. The fourth knot, <laughs> I bind your tongue that you may not speak ill of anyone. Fifth knot, I bind your power that you may be helpless. The sixth knot, I bind you now from feet to brow. That's quite good. That is quite good. When the knots are tied and the spell complete, you can do one of two things with the knotted ribbon. You can burn it in the flame of the black candle and bury the remains of the spell in the earth, maybe near a church. Or you can put this knotted ribbon in a bag and keep it tucked away in a secret place. <laughs> Only take it out when you have special guests round. Yeah. So a custard cream or the, this accursed bag. There's a slightly alternative way of doing it, which is binding negative behaviour. And again, you use a black ribbon, at least three feet. You need a piece of parchment, paper and paint. This is a simpler version because you don't need all the, the moon phases and all that, you know. 
it says if you don't have a problem with an individual in general, but you're just having a hard time living with a negative aspect of someone's behaviour, perhaps what they insist in doing is harmful to themselves or to people around them. Either way, it has to stop. Yeah. You're going to bind this person's behaviour to actions without actually binding the individual herself. So you're stopping them. You could be trying to protect someone from themselves um, or from harming others, but not actually binding them as bad as the other one. So, again, you set the magical stage of the appropriate candles, colours, hairs, blah, blah, blah. And you need black ribbon, at least three feet, a piece of parchment, paper and pen, a straight pin. Any items you may feel carry the energy of the situation or the target and place them around the candles. You ground and centre yourself in a special place, special time. And when you feel ready to begin, take the pen and paper and write out in your own words to whatever extent you must a description of the behaviour that you're going to bind and the consequences it's having on people. With this deed done... Sorry, I just paper, imagine myself writing being <laughs> a right wee bitch on a bit of paper. Yeah, or being like an energy vampire or, you know, stalking people. Or it could just be like, you know, stop someone picking at their fingers, which is what I do all the time. It's not good for you. Stop someone being anxious. You know, it might not necessarily be someone who's negative it may be to help someone who's been negative towards themselves, which is what I like about it. So when the deed's done, roll the paper up in a tight scroll, take the black ribbon, and at one end, begin by binding the wrap by wrapping the ribbon around the parchment roll slowly, deliberately, chanting the spell as you go until the entire ribbon is used up and the scroll is hidden beneath it. And what you say is, I bind your behaviour, you must do as I say. It ceases upon this very day. Does it all have to rhyme? Secure the ribbon with the straight pin. Keep the scroll hidden in a special bag or a box in a safe place. When the negative behaviour is ceased, bury it in the earth. That's my spell. A lot of burying, yeah, a lot of rhyming and a lot of burying things in there. Basically, yeah. I mean, is that what you found when you were studying neo-paganism? I mean, yeah, I suppose. A lot of earthy stuff and a lot of, like, music. So that would tie in. Hmm. What kind of music? um, I found another two like wee short ones that I like okay. in this spell book. Uh, if you've got a really bad headache, it says get a stone, any stone, and hit rub your the head stone with it. on your head, <laughs> and then take the stone outside and cover it in soil, and the ache in your head will be absorbed into the soil, and then you can just return it to the ground. Wow! If only that worked. I mean, we could give it a go. I was going to say, have you tried it? I've not. Let's, no. let's give it a bash next time one of us has a headache. Next time I have a headache, I'll certainly give it a go, yeah. <laughs> and if it works, then I'll be coming back to you for more spells, Mark. And then I like this one as well. So if your pet's going to the vets for an operation, mm-hmm. it says mm-hmm. you should place a blue ribbon or blue cord in a circle around your pet's bed and then right. tie it in a knot. And then only when they return safe, should you untie it and put it back in a drawer. Wow. And that will, like, bring them back free from What's harm. What's this book called? Uh, the Good Spell Book, Charms, and Magical Cures, and Other Practical Sorcery. And who's the author? I'm just looking. Um, Give them a shout out. Or for any of our listeners that might want to purchase this book. Jillian Kemp. Okay. When did you get it? Who I believe is of... Uh, I mean, I got it, I don't even know how long ago I've had it. Or did for, someone buy you it? Maybe somebody did buy me it, but I mean, I've had it for a really long, I think I've had it for about 20 years. I've got quite a few like, tarot card things and goddess cards. 
fortune cards. Um, I think I've got a book on palm reading and the occult. And oh, well, I've got a book on Isis magic, the goddess Isis, but I don't, I don't count that as witchcraft. Would you? I mean, maybe. I suppose... like, there was a thing in something I was looking at about how when you're doing your little rhymey spells and you're making them up, um, little rhymey spells sounds quite derogatory, <laughs> but I mean that in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in comparison to most other religions, um, you know, yeah, I think paganism and Wicca makes quite a lot of sense. But it's about when you're doing your spells, like you can appeal to ancient goddesses for different reasons. But it's not, I suppose it's, it was kind of saying when I was looking at like how to create spells, that it's not that you actually believe in them. It's just that they represent things. So if you're, hold on, I made a list of some of them. Is ISIS I read on? that there's the, the goddess, the mother, the crony, which we've covered before, the young maid, and then there's the horned god who represents the male energy. Yeah, and then they both kind of together are gods because she's like wind and water and feminine and he's um, like fire and earth and oh. masculine and that god isn't actually any of those things it's all of those things i was looking into uh, ancient spells and things like that and it brought me to a site that's called ancient origins and it was talking about magic of the ancients five incredible texts of spells curses and incantations and one of the ones that really intrigued me was um called the peak where is it um, it was an Arabian one, which I thought was interesting. It's called the Picatrix. Have you heard of that? No. Yeah, it's an ancient, and I wish, can I wish Yasmin was here for this? Because I don't know, I think she might find it interesting. The Ancient Arabian Book of Astrology and Occult Magic. Ooh. And it dates back to the 10th or 11th century, and, gain, and it gains notoriety because it had a lot of obscene magical recipes in it or it said it was a obscene nature i mean there is a picture here of a, a sort of quite hot looking naked couple and the guy's got a really cool cut um golden shins <laughs> shin pieces on for some reason he's putting a necklace on her and she's like dropping some gemstones out of her palm i don't know what's going on but it looks cool and then there's a really quite campy guy raising a peacock and he's got that's a book me. and a pet. Yeah, is that you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> right in the peacock. <laughs> Unless that, that's what the obscene nature is. I don't know. It says the Picatrix with its cryptic astrological descriptions and spells covering almost every conceivable, conceivable wish or desire has been translated and used by many cultures over the centuries and continues to fascinate occult followers around the world. It was originally written in Arabic and titled... That's why I, I wish Yasmin here because I can't really I'd pronounce Arabic words. Um, Gayat al-Hakim, which translates to the aim of the sage or the goal of the wise. Scholars believe it originated in the 11th century, although there are well-supported arguments that date it to the 10th. So, eventually... I can see if there were, like, there's arguments that date it at, like, 7,000 years old or something yeah. like that, but not, like... But some century. people think it may even have been a few years older than that. 
<laughs> it's a week older. Eventually, the Arabic writings were translated into Spanish, which makes sense because a lot of the Arab, yep. Arabs invaded Spain, and later into Latin in 1256 for the Castilian king, Alfonso the Wise. At this time, it took on the Latin title Picatrix. The text is composed of both magic and astrology. One element that has contributed to the notoriety of the Picatrix is the obscene nature of its magical recipes. Are there any examples? I don't know. The gruesome concoctions are intended to alter one's state of consciousness and may lead to out-of-body experiences or even death. Ingredients include blood, bodily excretions, brain matter mixed with copious amounts of hashish, opium and psychoactive plants. Sounds like a fucking party. For example... I feel like that should be more controversial than like some of the spells that are about shagging. Like, all yeah, the- I know. That's I don't get. That's how I want to know more about this book. Is this, for example, the spell for generating M? Now, I don't get why you would want to do this, but I'll go over it anyway. Uh, the for generating enmity and discord reads: take four ounces of the blood of a black dog, two ounces each of pig blood and brains, and one ounce of donkey brains. Mix all this together until well blended. When you give this medicine to someone in food or drink, he will hate you. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> what purpose do you need someone to hate you? Yeah, that's a really strange spell. Why would you want? I, I don't I'm know. Sure why you'd want somebody to fuck off, but not why you want somebody to hate you. Unless it's like a ten volt war or something for profit like i'm guessing the us and the uk are desperate for vladimir putin to invade ukraine type thing so maybe they'd use that spell on him <laughs> pouring donkey brains in his mouth <laughs> all the donkey brains you could get from boris johnson <laughs> put them to some use i suppose exactly if you can find any inside that skull of his who knows we should all put a binding spell on Boris Johnson. That's what we should do. And the whole of the Tory party. Yes, I bind you, the whole of the Tory party. I bind you. <laughs> I'm doing it in the wrong voice. I bind you, the whole of the Tory party, from doing harm to others and harm to yourself. I bind you, the whole of the Tory party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you can put them in a little box in a secret place. I would burn it, to be fair. Okay, so okay. What, oh, um, a fun fact. <laughs> I don't know where, and I've tried to research this, so I don't know where he got it from, but it sounds true to me. It sounds like a daft myth. So when we were like, my boyfriend took me to a surprise hotel. I didn't know where it was last week, and it was in a place called Inver Gordon, and it was called the King Craig Castle Hotel. Quite a country-looking, a big castle-looking thing, right? Baronial big fires and everything so we went in the room and they had these big huge heavy sort of tweed like curtains or um, baronial type curtains you know what I mean really thick fabric with like deer on them and stuff and they had these huge big tassels like curtain tassels and I said to David what is the point of these tassels I know they look nice but why why have them and he went I genuinely said it's to prevent the witches from coming in and getting to you because they see the tassels and they get distracted and want to play on the tassels instead of you. And I'm like, what? I mean, again, <laughs> of all religions, from? witchcraft makes the most sense to me. And I feel like <laughs> if I did want to full time witchcraft and I broke into somebody's house to attack them, but they had pretty tassels, I would be like, ooh, hello. <laughs> I know. Just, it's like saying, 
time you know like the vampires the myth that if you distract a vampire by throwing shoes at it or is that a leprechaun they have to pick them up and polish them or they have to count the coins we went over that yeah i, I can't remember what it was but i remember, and then remember yeah because then we said oh that's why he's called the count then yes <laughs> but the tassel thing just really like made me laugh so much but then i said it makes about as much sense as, as scottish witches traveling um the sea in a, in a sieve it's the best way to travel yeah, so that's why we have tassels on our curtains. It's to distract witches. <laughs> but I tried to find like evidence to back up this myth. I couldn't find it anywhere. I don't know where it originated from. So unless it's One just of, um, David. I mean, this doesn't relate to witches, but I'm just going to throw this in here just because okay. we're in One of um, my senior <laughs> boys today said yeah. to me, "We're <laughs> quite seriously, we're in the Bible is the thing about." A thousand cats equates to the soul of a ginger. Also, sad jazz isn't here because she would like this. Oh my god, I don't know where did you get that from. And I went, what? And he said, <laughs> like, there's the thing about how it's okay to execute a ginger because their soul's only worth like that of like one thousandth of a cat. And I was like, what are you on about? <laughs> and he was like, it's in the Bible, sir. And I went, I mean, it's not, I've read the Bible. And he was like, you can't have read all the Bible, which children always say. And I was like, no, I have. And I think about what is <laughs> better to kill one ginger than a thousand cats would stick out in my memory. So then we got into an argument about it and he was like, go look it up. So I was like, all right, set them a task to do it when looked up. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Not a thing. Oh. I actually found out that there's no reference to domesticated cats in the Bible, which I didn't know until today. Then yeah. explained this to him and then he was like, oh, well, I don't know why I thought that then. <laughs> See, even though it's a one-person like urban myth, it's my new favorite urban myth. It's my urban myth of the day. <laughs> so if you're a ginger listener, don't apparently worry. your soul is worth one one thousandth of a cat. Who's <laughs> even coming up with that measurement? Oh, I think someone should just when they're reprinting Bibles. Um, just maybe sneak that paragraph in there somewhere just to confuse, just in the yeah. one Bible, and maybe someone like that boy would pick it up. Just have, like, the book of that boy's name, and then that can be at the entire book. <laughs> just that one sentence. Oh, we looked in the drawer of our hotel, or oh, David did, because he likes to do that, um, in the bedside drawer, and there was a Bible there. So I, I don't know if that's still a thing with it, obviously and a thing for that hotel but then when we went to sky and we stayed in this other hotel it was a bit more modern it was still a big castle looking fucker but it was a wee bit more modern inside and we looked in the drawers no bible so hmm. i, I thought you did still get bibles everywhere but no then bible it in that sense, one. like why would you still get bibles everywhere because that assumes that everyone is a christian which is a yeah that's true yeah well the kincaid castle they provide bibles the ski boss ski bold ski boss yeah ski boss country house hotel and sky doesn't i mean when was the last time you were in a hotel and you seen a bible in the drawer uh actual answer saturday oh okay where were you <laughs> yeah i went to my mate robin's 30th and stayed in a hotel next to it and um to you be fair that. i wasn't going through the drawers i was literally i just booked into a room to sleep but yeah I had to nip in with um, the myth child, as we should call him, yeah. uh, when we, before I dropped him off at my parents, 
And he went, oh, look, they've left your storybook, Dad. And it just took the Bible <laughs> out of the And I was like, oh, lovely. And then he said, read story number four before you go to bed tonight. I was like, yes, I will, I will get on that. Story number four from story the Bible. Four. What would that be? Uh, two sex. I'll grab my Bible and tell you. Oh, my God. Just a minute till I go over to my shelf. I don't actually think I own a Bible in here. I think I used to. Oh, obviously you would. I'll tap you one. No, thanks. I'm done. I'll get my favourite Bible. The only Bible I want is one of those big bastard ones that you probably like kill ten people with in one stroke. Are we going with book four as Genesis four or the book four as the fourth book when it's separated into books, which would be numbers? I have no idea. Book four? But well actual book four, I suppose, is numbers. Where's numbers? Page four? sixty. <laughs> of the Bible. Chronological order in the Bible? Um, or does it go back and forth like in Pulp Fiction and um, back and forth in time? I think that, no, I think it does flow in chronological order. Yeah, but, but aren't they made up of like. Is I it mean, not the stories like, originally weren't actually all part of the one religion, so it's a yeah, bit kind of loosey goosey. Is it a bit like, you know, there's a film, you've probably not watched it, with um, Matt Damon and Kylo Ren? And it was set in medieval times, and they're both fighting to death because they, because one of his wives claimed she was raped by him. And it, it it shows you from their point of view. So you see her point of view, and then you see her husband's point of view from the same story, and then you see Kylo Ren's point of view. Is that what the Bible is? It's just five or six different points of view from different people. Well, no, the Old Testament's like oh. a collection of stories from lots of ancient religions that eventually became Jewish. Right. And then, so they kind of go in an order, but like some of the people in the stories <laughs> might not even have ever met each other. And then they, the New Testament does exactly that. So it apparently goes in order, but it's just different people. Yeah, restart. Jesus for different reasons, telling their stories about Jesus. You're like, oh, I've already read this. Why are they saying this again? Why is it repeating? Or it's a slightly different version. Do you want it's me like to read you the first book of Numbers as though it's a Yeah, I think story. it's the Old Testament just sort of made up of random stories. Yeah, so hold on. So the fourth book right, of Numbers is, And the Lord spoke unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, okay. in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month, in the second year, after the were come oh. out of the land of Egypt. And that's the end of the first <laughs> Wow, that's that's really riveting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I suppose if you're extremely bored and you'd nothing else to read, why not read that? Oh, it's the one, sorry, I was just scro- scrolling down where they've just got everybody being the son of everyone. You know, like people make jokes about that. No, see, I tried, to read, I tried to read the Bible once from beginning to end and I couldn't get past that part. Yeah, it is very. These are the men that shall stand with you: Reuben, Eleazar, the son of Shedor, the son of Shedor, Shalumiel, the son of Zishadu, Judah, Nashon, the son of Amminadab, Isaacar, Nathaniel, the son of Zer, and it just goes on that way. It's basically just a list of guys' names. I suppose it'd be quite good if you're hard up for names and you can pick one. Like, not a lot of people are called Zarvadon anymore. Or Elizur. I quite like that. Elizur is quite cool. Elizur. 
I'm like, my name that nobody's naming their kids Leslie anymore, so it's going to go into extinct, apparently. Eliab, that's one that's further down. I quite like Eliab. Eliab. Mm, sounds too much like liar, though. True. <laughs> Lieb. Or Lieb. Lieb. Oh, we've got a Pagiel. I quite like that. Pagiel, okay. Wee Pagiel. Wait, I'll see. Ochran. Ochran's cool. That is cool. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a really big act. We're supposed to be talking about witches, bitches. <laughs> I found my little uh, list of goddesses, or like, yeah, so if you were making a spell up, like uh-huh. goddesses that you could appeal to. So right. it's basically saying, like, although they don't actually believe in the god, in god so hold on. I've got this whole thing, right. I'm going to read the thing and then read the thing about the goddesses. Okay. So um, when neo-pagans talk about a god or a goddess, the supreme is not perceived as even remotely humanoid or anthropomorphic. The supreme, I love that word. Yeah, that is very supreme. cool. Yeah, okay. Um, applying terms like he, him, her, it, they, them, does not really make any sense. Although the supreme is not um, an omniscient, omnipotent or omnibenevolent entity, it can manifest at any point in time or space, whether through apparent visitations or internally through processes such as inspiration, conversation or mm. channeling. This is how spells work. So if you wanted to connect with a specific a- aspect of the Supreme, you could use like a named goddess. So if you wanted to cast a spell that had something to do with the moon, you could appeal to Diana. All right, if okay. you wanted to cast a spell to do with getting rid of envy you could appeal to lilith which i liked because we're big lilith fans um if you wanted to cast a spell that was to do with protection you could appeal to bastet so basically it's like neo-pagans don't actually believe in any of these goddesses but you can still appeal to them because it'll direct the energy in the right way i get you it's all about different forms of energy and just having symbols that represent that energy which is what i like about wiccan wiccan stuff yeah, it's I, think it's symbolic. The... I mean, is it any more weirder than, you know, Catholics doing symbols of bread and wine turning into flesh and blood? It's the same sort of thing. I would say it's less weird. Yeah, I'd say it was less weird. <laughs> 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 well, I just want to finish. Um, well, I, I want to, like, because I was in the Highlands, I felt quite inspired and I found a, an article about different, and it doesn't say what timeline, I think it might be from the 19th century or so, I don't know, back in the, the Kelty days, <laughs> I say, the Kelty times. Ah, uh, the Kelty times. The Kelty times, so they, they, there's some um, nine different charms and spells used in the Highlands and Islands, as recorded by someone called Campbell. Oh, it was, it was the 19th century, this guy called John Gregerson Camerill. He went Campbell. He went around um, uh, looking up research and spells and rhymes deployed by those who claim to cure woes and sickness and create versal and fortunes. Um, so one is uh, how to keep a cow safe, a charm to keep a cow safe. A stone would be tied into the tail of a, t- a cow and mystic words. See, it's all like. Oh, and, and and they'll say some words, but you don't know what the words are. I yeah, I did notice it. Yeah, a lot of it was like, and you'll say words or you'll say yeah, words. Yeah, what are the words? You're using the words, and I'm like, which words? So they said, um, 
The so very- I just laughed at myself because I said witch words and then in my head it's like, at least they are words which you say. Yeah, but we don't know what they are. <laughs> it said it begins with the verse, I set the watch tonight against the horns of a he-goat, which means the devil. There's a cure for night. This, I think, is particularly fucking mean to do, but it's quite funny in a way. So it's a cure for warts. So this is back in the Kelty times. These were cured by putting in a bag as many knots or joints of straw or grass as there were warts to be banished. So if you've got like 10 warts in your face and you want rid of them because you're an ugly bastard, you do some like 10 knots in a straw or a bit of grass and then you leave them on a public road. And the first person who lifted the bag got the warts in the future. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucked up. I mean, can you not just be content to just get rid of them instead of making some other poor bastard? It's like a a bit like the ring, isn't it? You're passing on a curse to someone else to have warts and then they do the same thing and then someone else picks it up and they get the wart curse. Pig's blood could also be applied to the warts and rubbed off with a cloth, which was then again left on a road. The warts were transferred to the first person to pick up the cloth. I mean, that one's the up... who's going to pick up <laughs> dried pig's blood oh, cloth? Look, look, there's a cloth just randomly in the middle of the paper. <laughs> I mean, you could be waiting a while. In all fairness, I say who's going to pick up a random pig's blood cloth again as somebody with a child. The answer is a child. I mean, <laughs> They'd be glad that like, children would pick up a cloth covered in blood and be like oh look this is covered in blood and then they'll be covered in warts so here's a (laughs) here's a cure for toothache and i don't know if you would like to do this mark but i certainly wouldn't a dead man's finger or a coffin nail would be put in the mouth of the sufferer i'll take the coffin nail over the dead man's finger i mean yeah. yeah according to accounts with those in pain ideally retrieving these items from the graveyard Right, so you're, you've you got the toothache, you have to go to the graveyard yourself, get a dead man's finger and the coffin nail and put it in your own mouth. However, it is believed this aspect of the charm was rarely carried out. I, I, I'm not surprised. I mean... The, the cure for mental health is, is fucked up. It's, it's said the following cure should only be tried on a Thursday. A person took the sufferer behind him on a grey horse and gallop at the horse's fastest pace three times round the boundary mark before riding to an immovable stone. Here, the sufferer would be forced to speak to the stone, with the cure then said to be complete. Now, I don't know whether they mean the sufferer is on the horse when they gallop, or or drags (laughs) the horse and then made to speak to a stone. I mean, they say talking therapy is good for mental health, but... True. A bit of a fucked up way about it. Come on. I'm I'm thinking it's not dragged by the horse. I think you're on the back of the horse. Yeah. Well, in the Hebrides, it is said the sufferer would be tied with a rope around the waist and then attached to a boat and pulled till he was nearly dead. And that That cures your mental less reasonable. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Um... A cure for consumption at Cross Apoll on the Isle of Col, those suffering from consumption, also known as TB, were made to go through the whole stone three times. Meat was taken by those afflicted and left on the stone. The bird who lifted the offering said to have taken the disease with them. It's a bit like the warts situation. You're transferring the disease into something yeah. and then passing it on to whoever picks it up. 
like the bird. I, I somehow don't think that would work. <laughs> Which takes me to like the last our last episode that you missed, Mark. The New England vampire um, yes. panic. Did you know it was just about TB? Yes. Oh, see, I didn't know that was really cool. Like we did say. Like, thanks, Mark, for bringing up that subject because it was. I didn't like, know when I first I read about it. That was why I think I'd said to you guys, oh, we should do that at some point. Because when I first read about it, I didn't know that's what it was about. But yeah, I, <laughs> after reading about it, knew that that's what it was about. Uh, there's a charm against danger. The suen or cyan or sane in Scots was used to protect man and beast from particular dangers, such as being taken away by an enemy, being hurt during battle or drowning. A mixture of rhymes, again, they don't tell us what the rhymes were, used alongside strings of various colours to evoke the cure. The curing words were said over the heads of cows or infants with the strings put around their necks for the night. Sometimes a mother would stitch the strings into the clothes of a child. How is that going to prevent you from being hurt during battle? If you're yeah, just... surely you're not sending your children into battle. No, some people did, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, I've got a cure for sickness. It's quite long. So the knowledge was a charm for the cure of sickness in man or beast. Again, a rhyme would be muttered over the poor, poorly person. So they have to be really good at rhyming. So I guess rappers would be quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, MCs, (laughs) mages. If you're an MC that knows all the stages of the moon, you would be a fucking good witch. You'd be like an actual, like, powerful like necromancer mystic if Tupac could have just gone into witchcraft <laughs> then maybe he could have stopped whoever it was that was shooting him I don't think you're the first person to say that war. yeah <laughs> they should have called it a mage war instead of a gang war so um, the uh, where are we are so a rhyme would be muttered over the poorly person. That's my rhyme. Blah, blah, blah. Or animal, as well as the water it was due to drink or be sprinkled with. Uh, the issues would cure, it would cure are thought to have been fairly minor with the knowledge used for bruises, toothache or sprains, which I could do use because I fucking sprained my foot or broke it. I don't know which. The person being cured was not allowed to speak to anyone but the wise person until they reached home after the knowledge had been administered. Those who sought out the service of the witch had to go to their bed before sundown and no spinning or reading was required. Now, when they say spinning, it doesn't mean spin round in circles until you're dizzy. I think it just means spinning yarn. Oh. (laughs) Or spinning discs. I don't think it's to do with that. Uh, The charm was thought to be more effective if they did not eat meat that day. So you'd be all right, Mark. Uh, According to Highland belief, an evil eye was one consumed by a discontented and unhappy mind full of envy, covetousness and other mean feelings. It was believed important not to create situations where an evil eye could take advantage of. So cows could not be sent out with full udders, for example, or peddlers would not go out for full load until night time in case it was crossed by the malevolence. I'm really confused by this. Targets. I mean, that just makes sense as like a practical rule as well, though, because if you go out well, with all of your stuff to sell it, you might get robbed. Robbed. And, yes. And it's it, uncomfortable for cows to have full udders, so that seems like a good rule because it's just making sure that your cow isn't uncomfortable. Yeah, I suppose when you put it that way, that makes sense. A wise woman could check if someone had been struck by an evil eye by filling a bowl with water and putting a sixpence in it. I don't know what the equivalent would be today. Six pennies. 
If the coin stuck to the bottom, the evil eye had been at work and a standard remedy was brought about. The wise women took a bowl of water, muttered over it and started to ferociously yawn in a bid to transfer the illness or woe from the sufferer. I like muttered because that doesn't imply hmm. any words. That's just like she's going... Hush, uh, here's um, you might find this interesting uh, the paws of a cat were dipped in the water to help hunt the malady with a red thread also dipped in the dish and tied around the sufferer's neck so hmm. you could take your cat and use it to help cure people he would love that yeah he would because <laughs> cats hunt things so they're using the cat's paws to hunt the evil eye and that's all I've got that on makes... times. Ah, sure, there's okay. probably more. I mean, there's interesting things about standing stones and what they represent. I don't know if you looked into them. No, but I looked at, like, stones, like, as in healing crystals rather than standing stones. Yeah, well, I mean, they're just giant versions of that, wouldn't they? True. And vibrations. They say that stones do do that. And, like, the purring of a cat is quite healing as well. It totally is. I agree with that. Like David had a really stiff neck, and I said to him, "Why, why don't we just get smudge and wrap him round, wrap her around your neck, and she can put on that and cure you?" <laughs> probably think, would work. I, I think it probably would. Hmm. I feel like whenever I've got like an actual ache, the cat always tries. I mean, don't get me wrong, we know the cat always tries to climb on me all the time, but he always tries to like get to where the ache is, and then like you say, yeah, just sort of curls up next to it and purrs, and it does. I suppose it makes sense though. It makes it feel better because. The pudding is like such a gentle vibration, but it will kind of yeah. be moving whatever it is that's sore. And then, you know, cats are always warm. It's true. I mean, I think it has been scientifically proven that, that cats pudding does contribute to healing and um, because they part to heal themselves as well. And having like a cat or a dog like sleep on you um, reduces anxiety because your heart rate starts to drop to their heart rate. Does it? Again, this isn't just me saying random things that, that I've read in the same people <laughs> as that boy. Um, yeah, there's been studies into it as well. So if you have a particularly calm dog or just a cat, yeah, if they mm. sleep next to you, your heart rate slowly drops down to their level. So it means if you like suffer from anxiety or any kind of anxiety-based disorders, it does help you to spend time with your I cats think, or dogs. I think I could happily live in a world where everyone's Wiccans yes than all the other religions I mean, Buddhism I can tolerate as well I, I like religions that are just peaceful that don't involve like laws or dogma or anything like that it's just like you should meditate and just enjoy the prayers and be kind to animals and I yeah. think Wiccan, Wicca um, like Buddhism Jainism those types of religions I can get with as an atheist I can live with them if I have to all the others can get to fuck, sorry. I've got this wee thing that I pulled off of like a neo-pagan <laughs> like site yeah. about like neo-pagan ethics and it says ethics and morality should be based upon joy, love, self-esteem, yes. respect, the avoidance of harm to yourself, the avoidance of harm to other people, the avoidance yep. of harm to any other sentient beings, mm. be they human or non-human. Yeah, I totally agree yeah, that. that. Seems like a lovely way to live your life. Yeah, I think that's how we should end this podcast to say like that's how you should live your life and I'm not going to enforce it upon you but I just would advise it I would advise it
and don't yeah. stress. I mean, you don't want to be under stress about, oh, my God, I've sinned today. Oh, piss God off. I'm going to go to hell. That's not how you want to live your life. I think that's why I like the Church of Satan, because they're basically just all about do what you want. But I suppose in a way they're encouraging like selfishness and things like that. They're not saying they, they said treat animals with respect and things, but they're not all about like love and harmony and all that. Yeah, the neo-paganism is like being yeah. in tune with nature, being in tune with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Not self, because it He's says self. like I've forgotten what I just said, but the bit about <laughs> like not being ba- like you have to yeah make sure you bring no harm to yourself. So yeah. I think it's not being like selfless to the point of being self-destructive, but it's still like mm-hmm. basically being like yeah if it's not going to do any harm to you, then be sound. Like yeah, definitely. I could live in that's kind of live your life. I like that. I really do. So I think we should end the podcast on that lovely note and choose our next topic for next week. Hopefully Yaz will be joining us. It's been a good mix, actually, because the last episode was just me and Yaz and now it's me and you. And then hopefully the trio will be back together next week. But it's been a bit of a hectic month, you know, with things. And I think sometimes you just need a bit of a rest. It has. Mm -hmm. I certainly needed that wee breakaway. I miss it. I love being, I think I'm happiest when I'm surrounded by mountains. I'm happiest, yeah, when I'm like in green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in green. We're, we're Wiccans. We just need to be amongst nature. We're just lazy Wiccans. Lazy Wiccans. <laughs> Can't be bothered making up a rhyme. I don't want to find out about the moon. But I, I do don't think want to... like nature. Yeah. We're the half-assed Wiccans. Yeah, but we should form our own little club. So what number am I picking? Uh, well, I haven't really looked at the list properly for ages or sorted it out, but I think it goes from 1 to 17, but there might be some gaps wow. in it. Is it getting bigger or what? I don't know. It is getting bigger. Well, yeah. I'm going to pick number one then. Off the uh, Egyptian mythology. Yes! <laughs> yes, indeed. Egyptian mythology, just any aspect of it then? Yeah. Any aspect of Egyptian mythology at nice. all. There's so much to choose from. Very cool. Well, thanks very much, everyone, for having a listen to our ramblings on modern witchcraft. I don't really think there was too much detail in that, but it was good. Yeah. And we give you some handy spells if you want to use. I think the freezer one is particularly useful. And we all learned a lot about cats. That's um, true. And how much a ginger's worth. How <laughs> much a ginger's worth. She's <laughs> a lot less than a cat. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all those gingers out there. I'm sure you're worth much more than half of a cat or less than half a cat. I don't know. My mass is shit. I don't know how I feel about it because, you know, I do think gingers are hot, but also I, I really either. like my cat. So I'm like, hmm. <laughs> Okay. If you're listening, my cat's probably better than you, but he's probably not a thousand times better than you. Oh Maybe God. nine. Is your cat nine? He's he's worth nine gingers. Oh, okay. But is he not nine? just nine gingers, nine of any person. Well, how old is your cat? Oh, he is seven. He's not eight yet. Yeah, he's oh, nearly eight. Cats can live up until 20 odd, so he's got a good while yet. Yeah, Aslan was 19 when he died. I loved Aslan. You Aslan. called your cat. Did you, call your, did you call your cat Aslan or was it someone else's idea in your family to call it Aslan? No, uh, I called it Aslan. Right. And was he like Aslan? 
And you met him actually. He was like Aslan. He had a big ginger mane. That's true, but he didn't let a lot of people pick him up. <laughs> or that was that your white rabbit? That was your white rabbit actually. No, that was my white rabbit. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. Anyone pick him up? But I picked yeah, he let me. He was alright with me. Yeah, but he was very. He wasn't. He wasn't a people rabbit. No, Aslan was just a big lazy big ginger cat. Yes. And then yeah. that brings in the issue if one cat's worth a thousand gingers, but that cat was ginger. <laughs> ginger cats are special. I had a ginger and white cat, and he was a male, but he wasn't. He wasn't like your friendliest of cats because he didn't have like a great start in life. But you know, I had I put up with his violence and to the point where we were okay with each other. He would sit next to me. He wouldn't sit in my lap much. But he would put his paw on my my paw. I was gonna say. <laughs> and that was fine. We were just best buds. Anyway, so and I had, I always find it really difficult to end these episodes. Right? Can you help me out, Mark? Uh, let's see. This is going to be even more difficult. I was going to try and make up a like goodbye spell. Oh, Thanks shit, for listening to our cast. We hope you enjoyed it, and it wasn't too fast. You're all wonderful, and we think you should know. Check out our episodes. And from man. in the past. Oh. Okay. <laughs> there we go. That works perfectly. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Well, until next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>